that pressure, the same pressure that you put on yourself is the same pressure you're going to put on others. And that's probably what Jesus meant by with what measure you judge, you will be judged. Let me guess, the world keeps telling you you are enough. All on your own, you are enough. Well, I'm about to drop a truth bomb. On your own, you will never be enough. Wait, hold up. Okay, did I get your attention? I am Shelby Hosfield, and at times I was an ex-Mormon, agnostic, a Sunday Christian, and a New Age follower, but God had very different plans for me. The whole time I was living in a very big lie, that I was in charge somehow of my own enoughness and my works were going to save me and my life. Don't get me wrong, I am all about self-help and personal development, but as a born-again, fully transformed Christian, I learned there is the world's way, and there's God's way. To quote C.S. Lewis, the more we get ourselves out of the way and let him take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. You are enough not because of what you have done, but because what he has done. And he lives through you. If you are ready for Bible truths, theology, and apologetics, and wisdom from his word that will shape your life, your confidence, and yes, your feeling of enough, then friend, you are in the right place. This is Finding Faith Above. You had a pretty radical transformation somehow here in this whole thing though. And coming from a place where you were so devout and so in it and never questioning, this mm-hmm. must have been a really big shift for you. What happened? Yeah, that's a good question. Do we have a good interview for you today? We are talking to a wonderful Christian mama who has a huge heart for helping women who have left the Mormon church because she did as well. Like me, she had a very rocky faith journey after leaving and got swept up kind of in the new age, spirituality, all that crazy stuff. But with the power of prayer and the love of Jesus, Courtney Coe now finds herself walking in step with Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. It's just beautiful. So this is a two-part series because it was a fairly long interview and a good one and one you are not going to want to miss because we are really talking about can you make a radical transformation? I know sometimes when we're all wrapped up in it, we feel like how can people who are so devout and so wrapped up in something, how can they have that transformation? And it is prayer, friends. It is. It is beautiful. It is Jesus. This is a good interview. You are going to love it. Let's get started. All right. So today we are here with Courtney and I am just so ready to jump into her story and everything she has to tell us. She has been on a very fascinating just journey with God and where he has brought her has just been beautiful. So I'd love to just jump into that. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's really wonderful to be able to share this experience. It's cathartic for me and hopefully it will help someone else. Yeah, for sure. I think, I do think being able to share our stories just has such incredible impact and we never know what someone needs to hear in order to help them along with their journey. I know for myself, just being able to hear other women and the faith that they have and where God has brought them really did help me on my own journey. And so I pray that today that will be the same thing for those of you who are listening. So thank you for being here and for sharing, because I know it's not always easy to be vulnerable and to say it all too, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to try. <laughs> so let's go ahead and just 
start at the beginning. So what did faith look like for you growing up? So I was obviously raised Mormon and we were a pretty strong Mormon family. My parents were converts. My parents did divorce when I was five and my dad left the church. I guess we were divided in faiths, but he really just didn't have any faith for a really long time. And my mom raised pretty much four girls in the church on her own. And it was just very typical upbringing. I was raised in Oklahoma. So there were not a lot of Mormons. I had more non-Mormon friends than anything, but I don't remember having Christian friends, to be honest. I had Catholic friends, I remember. And I think I had one Pentecostal friend, but yeah, I don't remember many Christian friends, just friends that were not LDS, but then I did have a few that were LDS and just the normal upbringing. It's normal for us who grew up in it, but it's not normal for a lot of other people. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looked like growing up in the church? Did you guys go to church every Sunday? How was that for you guys? So I'm the youngest of four girls. And for me, it was, I went to church every Sunday. A lot of my three sisters, they really struggled just in and out of the church. So it was really me and my mom. We went to church every Sunday and wanted to go. I really had a love for God. And I had a love for what I was learning in the Mormon church. And so we did all the activities, the Wednesday activities, the girls camp, temple baptisms when I turned 12. It was just very, in that way, it was just very typical. It was just busy with all kinds of church activities and then church on Sundays. But I was always the very, very strong, the strongest one besides my mom and my family. So I grew up in a mixed faith household myself. And I do think that presents different things into our life. I was a little different in the fact that I always questioned rather than being the strong one. I was always maybe a little bit more the rebel, (laughs) even though I, I say that I went and maybe I didn't look like that on the outside, but I definitely was, had some internal turmoil, I guess you could say. Did you Mm -hmm. ever, did that ever come up for you or did you feel like you were pretty strong? I was just always so strong and so believing. And I even served a mission and no one else in my family had served a mission. And I went to Utah of all places. And it, it was never, ever a question in my mind. It never occurred to me that it wasn't true. As soon as you were done with high school, I know that you have to wait a little while. So how did that kind of look for you? Yeah. After high school, I went to a community college and then I actually went to the Walt Disney World college internship. I've always been, I've always been a free spirit and just loved to travel. And so I think as soon as I could, I got out of Oklahoma, I went to Florida and I was there for about six months. And it was actually there that I was praying about going to extend my internship and just work for Disney or come home. And that's when I felt God tell me to go on a mission, which I really do think he told me to go on a mission because I think he, he needed me to understand the doctrine of the church to help people later. And I understand it very well. So after that, I came home and I think it was about six months, took me about six months to prepare. And then I left in 2005. Yeah. 2005 of April. 
came back in December of Jan- uh, December of 2006. Wow. From serving in Utah. How oh was that? That was, it was that's church headquarters. And there are a lot of powerful, I'm doing air quotes, powerful people in the church. So we had to speak a lot in several wards, sometimes two or three on one Sunday we were speaking. You would think I would would have lost my nerves, like public speaking, but still, I still cannot stand public speaking. That was really trying for me. I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of struggling members in Utah. There were a lot. I know this is going to sound really bad. I had this Relief Society president and she had a really low cut top on and a really high slit in her skirt. And I remember thinking, why is she wearing that? She's a Relief Society president. That's one of the one of the memories that I have that really stick out to me. I just was completely shocked, I think, at how some of the members didn't really live the gospel like I thought that they would. And I really, through that experience, it was more coming home and looking back and then growing up and just learning more empathy and compassion that I really understood. Yeah, not everybody is at the same level. Not everybody is perfect. I think for me, that was a really difficult thing to to experience. You said that God, he really guided you into going on this mission and you needed to learn the doctrine. Did you ever question it while you were on your mission, even though people were different or were you just fully committed through the whole thing and just soaked it all in? Or how did that work? I just never know. I came across so many, so many people who taught anti-Mormon doctrine or who tried to get me to open my eyes and see, but no, I never questioned it. I was totally committed. I just knew it so well. I knew how to teach the Mormon theology so well. And I had an answer for everything. Honestly, I just thought I knew I had all the answers. I just thought it was right. And I just thought, no, it can all be explained. It can all, it all makes sense. It can all make sense. But I never truly questioned it. Yeah. Did they prep you on the answers or was that just something that you just knew it so you were able to do it? Or did they give you that terminology at all? Or were you able to just, it just was in you? It was just in me, honestly, coming out of Mormonism and coming to Jesus, God has given me the gift of teaching. And so I could just make sense out of it and I could teach it and I I could teach it in a way that it made sense. He just gave me that gift. It wasn't something that was taught. It was just very natural. It came very naturally to me. I even had a missionary reach out to me after I left the church and went very public about my exodus in on Facebook. And he, he was like, I can't believe you, you left the church. You were, you were, you taught, I forgot the words that he used, the phrases that he used. He said, you taught like way better than us missionaries. Like I, t- I tell everyone that you could run people around the table or something. Do you know what term? Do you know what yeah, phrase I'm yeah. talking about? Uh-huh. Said, you were such an amazing teacher. What happened? And then I shared the gospel with him and hopefully planted a seed. But it was just, yeah, it was just in me. Yeah, yeah. So you came home and then life changed 
from there. What happened? What did it? So he asked what happened. I'm asking now, what happened? (laughs) What was this change? Between 2007 and 2020? I guess let's start at the beginning of it. Honestly, when I got back from my mission, I was just really, I just, I think that I was just so focused and I was such a people pleaser. I wanted to please my mission president and he was so strict. He had rules like you had to contact 30 people, 30 random people throughout the week. And I wanted to meet those numbers and hit those goals and and please him, right? Thinking that I was pleasing God too, but honestly, looking back, it was just more for men. It was coming home from my mission and seeing how I pushed this teaching on people and I didn't do it with love, that I didn't feel like I did it with love or compassion And God just began to show me like, maybe that wasn't the best. Maybe in your eagerness and your zealousness, you were missing the point of even what you were supposed to be teaching, which is to love God and love others. And yeah, there was just, there was a lot of regret that I had. And I just began to, I don't know, ease up on myself. I put a lot of pressure on myself. And so I began to just take that pressure off mentally. And I began to take it off of others. And I think that was just the spirit. I honestly, I think that was just the spirit doing whatever it could do. Cause I, I really think God meets us where we're at. I know there are people that you run into that will tell you Mormons don't have Jesus or they don't have God in their life or they don't have the spirit guiding them. I don't believe that. I think to a point God meets us where we're at and he prepares us for certain things and he gets to us any way he can. And so I think after my mission and just having a lot of regret and I just felt like it was okay to to just approach things a little differently in my membership and in supporting my LDS brothers and sisters, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So did you continue that? You still continued to be part of the church when you came back. Yeah, You just didn't. Yeah. You just didn't push it as much. Yeah. I just didn't judge people as much and I didn't judge myself. Yeah. I remember on my mission, I sound like a really horrible person right now, but no, on my mission, it's just amazing though. It's just a testimony of what God can do but uh, how he could change your heart and soften your heart and make you a better, gentler, more compassionate person. But on my mission, there was a mission, not a mission, a mission leader that we had. And he was telling us how his son was inactive. And he said, he could just meet an active, an active sister. And then she could help bring him back. And I said something so horrible to him. I said, I wouldn't risk. I would not. (laughs) This is so terrible. I wouldn't risk introducing your son to someone that he could potentially pull down to his level. I said this to the mission leader. Oh my gosh, it makes me sick thinking about it today. I just wish I could find that mission leader and tell him, I am so sorry. That was so terrible and judgmental and that was bad. But you're so right. God does totally transform our hearts and he changes us and thank God for grace. Thank you, God, for grace, right? Because we have, we've all been through things and that's part of what we talk about here on this podcast is this transformation that happens in us. So Mm -hmm. as you were going through your life, you're still going to the church. You're still, you're trying to let things off. 
but then obviously something changed. Yeah. What led you there? <laughs> okay. This is very hard for me to discuss because this was a traumatic experience that <laughs> God is still dealing, dealing with in my heart and helping me heal from. But when I got back from my mission, I just saw the goals of, okay, I want to be married in the temple, have children, finish my college degree. I remember saying that to a friend and who said it to another friend who said it to another friend. All of a sudden I became a husband hunter in my singles ward. I was not hunting for a husband. I, you know, just to prove that I was married at 32. Most people who accused me of being a husband hunter were married before I was. I was totally ostracized. I was talked about. I was a Relief Society president at the time. So the people that I really had a heart to help, I just felt like I wasn't able to help them because they didn't trust my intentions. Girls wouldn't hang out with me because they thought that I was only hanging out with them to get to some boy they knew. Or boys wouldn't hang out with me because they thought that I was just trying to marry them, which was absurd because I had zero interest in anyone in the ward that I was going to. But that's, that's what happened. And it was during the ordeal, I did not... I didn't realize how bad it was until I graduated college in 2009. Oh, and my best friend passed away <laughs> on top of all of this. She was 27 and she had an inoperable tumor. And I went to some church activity and I remember some guy and I forgive him because he was young and immature and he had just gotten back from a mission. So he was what, 20? And he said to me, is your friend dead yet? Just in front of tons of people. Oh, I just, it was by the grace of God that I did not know or feel what was really happening in that ward until I left. And it was just like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like just how isolating and difficult that was for me. But I remember making the decision, I'm going to go to church because I love God and I'm there for God. And I made that decision, but, and it was 2009 when I had gotten a trip to Hawaii. My parents had lived there since I was 15. And I decided not to take my return trip home. And I was actually set to move to Utah. I was going to move to Utah. Could you imagine <laughs> going from a little Mormon singles ward in Oklahoma to Utah where that has to happen all the time? I'm so grateful I didn't go to Utah. So I stayed in Hawaii and I just was looking for myself, I think, because I didn't truly understand who Christ was, who Jesus was. I didn't know the Bible. So I didn't know all of these amazing promises that God gives us and we become his children. And I just didn't, I had so much, I think, pain that I just, 
I was running away from God, but I chose the craziest ways to run away because I still stayed a Mormon and I still went to church. But I did things like I went and taught English in Korea (laughs) and I loved the Korean language. I, I got my master's in a Korean language flagship program in Korea. And I think looking back, I still love Korean. I still love speaking in Korean, but that program was so difficult, so above my skill level. Most of my classmates were were Korean American, so they at least grew up hearing Korean. I was so out of my element. And just looking back, I could just see that I was just trying to prove to myself that I could do something like this, that I could, even though I still love Korean, I speak Korean, my husband is Korean. He's Korean American. We, we speak Korean. I speak to my father-in-law in Korean. So it's not like I have a passion for it, but I was way out of my league in the program that I was in. And that's how I felt. And it was, it was such a struggle, but I did it. I got my master's in Korean. And I think that I just was trying to prove that I could, I could do something like that. Do you feel like because, that is uh, for me, I feel like that proving thing that is it's so mormon (laughs) do you feel like that because i know for myself even though i left the church at 18 proving myself and the works and the this and the doing all of that i kept that with me through a real long time in my life until i found jesus like i that i for lack of better words it's such a way of your mindset that's so mormon did you do you feel like that for yourself now looking back on it it was it's actually a mix of things i just it began at home it began with i don't want to point people out in my family but growing up i was not treated as if i was smart a lot of blonde jokes were made about me i just i was in my head a lot i just was in my head a lot and people just mistook me for not being very smart or maybe I thought that because it began at home, began people teasing me about not getting a joke or not understanding something that was happening or going on. So I think that was just part of it. I just carried around those, these insecurities, just carried them into my adulthood. And I believed them. I literally thought, oh, I don't have the ability to learn another language. I just thought that. I just thought that I didn't. But then when I started to learn Korean and I loved it so much and I had a passion for it, I started to realize, no, wait, I can do this. I'm smart. I got this. And doors opened up for me to get into that program, but it wasn't necessary. Like I would have just rather have found Jesus (laughs) way earlier on and then just rested in his, in, in who I am in him and let him take me, take me where he wanted me to go. And, but I was very much on my own path, but yes, as a Mormon works and even legalism, just feeling like, Oh, I have to read my scriptures every day, or I have to pray a certain way every day. Or I do feel that is still a struggle for me. And Jesus has definitely been ministering to my heart about how it's okay like it's all right. He appreciates it when we can spend time with him and when we block out our schedule to spend time with him. But I'm a pregnant mom of a toddler. I'm tired. 
Yeah. <laughs> All the time. But Jesus understands and he loves me and I, he's working on me still with the legalism, but it is definitely built into the Mormon church. Either it's their theology or it's the culture or it's, I think it's just all of the above. It's so crazy to hear you say all of these things. I actually did another podcast this morning. I was on somebody else's show, but we were talking about, he's not Mormon. And so I was walking him through my little LDS journey. And so many of the things that you're saying are just hitting so true because when you say it to somebody else, sometimes you're, was I just imagining that was the culture? Was I imagining that it was, that's, it was very much, this is the way things are supposed to be. And if you are outside of that in some way, and then the kind of the rumors start and you can be isolated. And I very much was because I came from a mixed faith household and that put me on the outside. I was always on the outside kind of of everyone. And just, did I imagine that? And then listening to you talk through this, I'm like, no, there, it's very much part of the culture. Everything that you're saying is it rings so true to me as well. Like I completely mm-hmm. understand where you're coming from with it. Just to add on to that, this is the impossible gospel. Living a Mormon life is the impossible gospel. And so when you are expected to live to this standard of perfection that is impossible, you become not only judgmental of yourself, you become very judgmental of others. That pressure, the same pressure that you put on yourself is the same pressure you're going to put on others. And that's probably what Jesus meant by with what measure you judge, you will be judged. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, that was what we were talking about today about the ideal of being perfect, like the trying to be perfect. That is something that is just, even if it's not said out loud, which it is, but even if it wasn't, that is the culture. That is what you're attaining to be is perfect, but nobody's perfect, but God. (laughs) Right. And we can never be perfect by striving. They say strive for exaltation. No, there's, that's a dead end road. It definitely brings you to, I feel like that it ends up inevitably bringing you to a place of feeling depressed or feeling inadequate, feeling unworthy, feeling like you can't ever get there because you really, you will never be perfect. And Mm -hmm. we know that. But then if you're being told that you should be, it's a real mind trip. Or it leads to denial. You are just in complete denial of how sinful you are and how much you need Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You had a pretty radical transformation somehow here in this whole thing though. And coming from a place where you were so devout and so in it and never questioning, this Mm -hmm. must have been a really big shift for you. What happened? Yeah, that's a good question. So it was in Hawaii that I met my non-member husband. And I just knew. I knew that he was the one that I wanted to marry. And that I was going to marry him. I knew it. And he ended up joining the church, actually, three years after we got married. But it was about eight months after he quit going. So I think the radical shift was just, my goodness, marrying a non-member, allowing myself to be okay with that. That was probably the beginning of the end. (laughs) 
so they say, because I started to have compassion for him, for what he was doing. Oh, if he wanted to have a beer in the house, okay. I'm not going to judge him. He doesn't live the same way that I live and I'm not going to expect him to. So I think that it was after that, it was probably 2019. I was pregnant with my, I had a, a miscarriage in the first, my first pregnancy. So my second pregnancy was my almost three-year-old that I have now. And I don't, after she was born in 2019, so I'm sorry, it's a 2018, I was pregnant with her. I had her in 2019. Something changed. I don't know what it was. I think just being a mom, I just felt like I was given confidence, right? To carry out that very difficult and demanding, but awesome challenge. And I just started to be more confident in myself, which is obviously not where, where we, where I ended up confident in myself, but it was just confidence in myself, confidence in my thought process. I think that I just wanted, I had such a wonderful, beautiful blessing in my daughter. I just didn't put up with a lot of people anymore. I just did not. I used to get walked on all the time. I used to be a doormat. Koreans call it Jakham Byung, which is you have this, a niceness disease. And that's what my aunt said I had before I left the Mormon church. I just started to question things and I started to think about things. And I came to understand that to me, they just didn't make sense. And one of them which is the most surprising was the temple. I just started to not believe that the temple was necessary for you to be with your family forever. I just started to believe that I just came out of nowhere. It was just, it was really strange. And I don't know what changed just God working on my heart. And I began to read the Bible I used to feel really guilty reading the Bible. If I wasn't reading the Book of Mormon, I felt really guilty. And I was like, you know what? That's ridiculous. I'm not going to feel guilty. I just refused to allow guilt to rule my life, I think, too. I'm like, I'm not going to feel guilty. I started to read the Bible. And I kid you not, I'm like the first few chapters in, and it's talking about all the genealogy. And I had this thought come across my mind that I just shelved but it came across my mind. I think the Book of Mormon is made up because this is just, this just looks just, this is just like the Book of Mormon, like all this genealogy. And I was like, I think it's made up. Like I just had that thought. And then I was like, nope, just put that on the shelf. But I continued to read the Bible and I met Christian friends that I hadn't had in a long time. And this is the craziest thing. My husband's whole family joined the Mormon church. Now, these, they're Korean. They joined in Korea, his grandmother and three of his aunts. Oh, wow. And the only ones that didn't join the Mormon church were two of his uncles. And this was a long time ago. Two of his uncles, one of his uncles, yeah, two of his uncles and then his dad did not join the Mormon church. 
they all left except for one aunt. She stayed in the Mormon church. She served a, a mission and she was there for 40 years. Wow. And then she was implicated in a lawsuit with the church. And I want to be careful too about how I say this or how I word this, but in the lawsuit, they settled and she lost her business because she was implicated in a lawsuit that involved her business that it was complete. It was completely wrongfully settled Hmm. without making sure that she was taken care of because she was implicated in the same lawsuit. So she was faithful for 40 years. And after that, she tried to resolve it. She went down to the, the only way to resolve it was to sue them. But at that time, she didn't think that she didn't think they were capable of doing what they did to her. And so she left the church and she became Christian and she and her, her church friends, they just started to pray for me like crazy. They're just like crazy. These women are dedicated prayer warriors. And I had other Christians around me that I know were praying for me. And I know it is, it really is the prayers of these Christians that I feel like that's why I'm where I'm at. Their prayers just, I think they had just that great of an impact on me and God to just allow me to to see what was wrong with the Mormon church and to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that prayer, people don't always recognize the power of it, but it really is so powerful. It just is And because I think God is working in all different aspects of our life, he's just waiting for us. And so those prayers, I do think they really just go so far. They do. So you, you talked about the Bible and I find that pretty fascinating because I I know that for myself, that was one of the things that I carried with me for a long time as well, even after I left the church, because I don't know if you know this, but I left the church at 18, but I went 20 years before I found Jesus. So a really long time before I actually found mm-hmm. him. But during that whole time, I thought I carried that idea that the Bible is not trustworthy, that the Bible is not true. So it's like, I left the Mormon church, but I didn't leave that. I brought that with me, not realizing that was even something that I had learned in the Mormon church until much later. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember being told this over and over again, that so long as it's not translated correctly and different things like that. And now that I talk to so many other people who have left the church, I think it's so fascinating that has been really the stumbling block for so many people being able to find Mm -hmm. Jesus because they're like, I don't want to read it because I don't trust it. Not realizing that was something that they brought with them from this religion that they left. That is such a great point. They left that religion, but being able to leave that mindset or that programming, they don't realize it's there Uh that it's residual and affecting them. They just think it's probably not true because the Mormon church isn't true. It's probably all made up. All religion is made up. That's what that, that seems to be the common mindset of people who leave the church and become become atheist. Yes, I did. But it was so amazing what God did through that time. Yeah. As soon as I left the Mormon church, I had no clue. I had no clue. It was just, it's like everything that you are standing firm and solid and on is just crumb. It just crumbles. It just all crumbles. 
And so anything associated with it just totally crumbled. I had no idea what was true. And I think because it built into Mormon theology is this idea that there's this deep doctrine, there's this almost mysticism, and there's these mysteries of the world that you have to figure out and you have to know. I already had my foot in the new age, even in the Mormon church, because it didn't seem expressly forbidden. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally. Like, oh, you just search for knowledge. That's all you're doing. I think that's even in the, isn't it that in the doctrine and covenants or something that like, they just, they seek for, they read books that are good, or I can't even remember. I should know that. But anyways, oh, like whatever is good or praiseworthy, like we seek for these things, but within the framework of you know, God's truth. And so I was already in the new age and I was doing things like channeling. I don't know if you know what channeling is. Okay, friends, that is the end of part one. Are you just loving Courtney's story? She's just amazing. So she's going to go some different places now and talk about more in part two about uh, spiritual beings and kind of where this whole thing took her and her transformation to finding Jesus. And so you don't want to miss part two. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, now would be a great time so that you don't miss part two. Also in the show notes, there is links to the blog and I do have links in in this blog post because every episode gets a blog post as well uh, the bible project does a great series on spiritual beings and i do think that it's helpful and that it will help you to understand a little bit more about what she's talking about so you can go ahead and go to the show notes for that and i will see you in part two